Time now for us to check in with our global news reporter over in Victoria, Richard Sussman. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hey, quick question. What's the scariest yeah. movie you've ever seen? Like, what's the one that to even now you're like, ooh, that's a uh, scary movie? I have no idea. I, I don't love scary movies. Uh, I think even better. The Blair Witch Project scared me. Oh. I, the, the, the thing that always stands out in my mind is scary, and I know it's not a scary movie, was when Jurassic Park came out. And I was a little bit too young to see it in theaters. That's adorable. And that scene when they're in the kitchen and the raptor comes around the corner. <laughs> yes. That still haunts me. And I know it's not a scary movie, but that, <laughs> oh my. Every time I'm in, like if I'm ever in an industrial kitchen for work or something like that, I think of that scene. I'm like, oh, is the raptor coming around the That's corner? That's so funny you say so, that. I'm done. <laughs> That's so funny because David emailed me to say that the scary movie for him is the original Ghostbusters. But again, <laughs> like you, he was said he was very young. He was just too right. young to see it. He went to the movies with his mom, his dad, his uh, sister and him. And the first ghost scene in the basement of the library, you know, when the ghost comes out or whatever, he said he ran out yeah. of the movie theater. Like he was just, he just freaked out. And the mom, his mom had to like chase him outside. <laughs> and so then they had to go into the jungle book, which was playing next door because he said it was just Excellent. too scary. So you know what? You're right. The age means everything. Yeah. Right. And we left Jurassic Park early as well after that <laughs> scene. Like, and, and it still haunts me to this moment. But like That's generally funny. scary, I, I try to avoid them. Uh, almost entirely. My wife, Lisa, likes scary movies and, and will occasionally watch them. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, as you know, it's just a moment that sort of captures you and sticks with you. Yeah, mine was Jaws. But anyway, we digress. Let's talk some politics, <laughs> because yesterday was also an eventful day. Not hugely surprising, though, uh, Andrew Wilkinson deciding to step down. But once again, the way he did it, I found was a bit yeah. surprising. And I think a lot of BC Liberals found it surprising, and a lot of BC Liberals found it very frustrating. And so Andrew Wilkinson is leaving as the leader of the BC Liberals, but he wants to stay on until the next leadership uh, contest is finished, and he wants that leadership contest to start as soon as possible. And so there's two things there that have people frustrated. The other thing that Wilkinson said was that he had consulted with his uh, caucus and his team, well, we're hearing now from a lot of people in that caucus that said, hey, I was never consulted. I was never asked about this. Uh, I don't agree with this. And what people don't agree with is first the timeline. Many people inside the BC Liberal Party almost universally want this leadership race to be a year, 18 months yeah. down the road. Give the party some time to recruit good candidates, to fundraise, to get organized, to figure out what it's all about. Is yeah. this the time to finally change the name? Is this the time to consider new policies? What are the BC Liberals? How do they bind both urban and rural British Columbia? Give it some time. So people hate the idea that uh, it would be a rushed leadership. And then the other one is that Wilkinson would stay on. That, you know, he. a lot of people believe he should step down now. There should be an interim leader put into place now that can guide the caucus through this transition period and then the full-time leader comes and gets the party ready to run in 2024 in the next provincial election and my understanding is there was a different plan that had been drawn up and andrew wilkinson came out and made the decision himself to do it this way so again that's not going to sit particularly well as you know we start waiting for these final results and the full team is created and i'm sure there will be pushback and it would be right. surprising to me to think that wilkinson will be able to stay on as leader 
right up until the next leadership. It kind of, though, encapsulates the whole campaign and kind of his leadership, though, doesn't it? Like, it it just talks about exactly why he ended up like this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Simi. It, It really does summarize quite nicely the way that Wilkinson was rejected mostly by British Columbians and that it seems like he would call audibles on the fly. There was no real cohesive plan there. He struggles to listen to the advice of others. I think all of this sort of mm-hmm. summarizes why his leadership did not go particularly well. Let's talk about uh, what we heard from Dr. Bonnie Henry yesterday. New orders now for people about limiting you know, your, the size of your groups in your private homes and the expectation that you wear masks all the time. But Richard, let's be honest here. People know the rules by now they do. I was in the Shoppers Drug Mart last night to to pick up some contact solution and the first five people I saw were not wearing masks and it's hard to believe that at this point people do not know the guidance around when you are indoors in a place that is not your home and not a school and not your workplace then you should be wearing a mask and then the other part of this is this ban on gatherings in your home and I think what this will do to me and yes people know the rules but this will increase the pressure around enforcement. And, and Dr. Henry has been, as, as you and I know, very resistant to yeah. put a lot of infor- uh, pressure on enforcement. But she did mention uh, yesterday that the tools are there to hand out tickets just like you would a noise complaint. I found that really interesting when she compared the two. So when someone asked, I think it was our colleague Keith Baldry asked, you know, how is it going to work in terms of reporting people? And she said, well, if you hear a neighbor with a noise complaint and you call into the non-emergency line, uh, you should do the same when you see a number of cars outside someone's home and you believe there's a big gathering that's beyond the family unit and the safe six. The other thing I'm hearing a lot about is confusion. Like people don't really understand what the safe six means. Yeah, exactly. And, And there seems to be a lot of variation in terms of, well, if you have a bigger family, you should have less people and a smaller family. And what if there's multiple you know, kids in your family that have friends, how are their families all included in the safe six? So, you know, we'll continue to to get more information from Dr. Henry around what this means, especially now that it's becoming law. But I think that this, you know, one of the issues we were having was that families, people felt uncomfortable not inviting people back to their homes for mainly for community and cultural reasons, right? right. There would be a, a wedding or a, or a funeral outdoors and, and it would be customary to bring them home. Well, you know, they said, well, I can't not invite these people. They're my family or they're my friends or my loved ones. And now they can say, well, it's against the law for me to invite you back to my house. But do we need Uh, that? That's the thing that gets me. But do we really need that? Can we not just say, I can't, we can't be doing this, guys. Look what's going on. Like, it strikes me as people who don't want government to interfere in all sorts of stuff suddenly want government to interfere. And I think that's one of the things that the province is grappling with is, are people making this decision or is it that they're way they've always done things is just so overbearing that they can't change their ways and that the law uh, supersedes all of that and i think that's what they're hoping will happen here you know it's not going to eradicate this entirely and enforcement will not be able to stop this entirely but it does add an extra layer here 
where people can start thinking about, oh, well, maybe really this is serious. Like, you know, I thought it wasn't me and it wasn't that serious and it wasn't that many people and it wasn't that often. It's serious. And it's leading to explosion in cases. You know, over 800 cases over the last three days, day over 300, you know, and we're slowly going to start seeing, or maybe not slowly, those hospitalization and ICU numbers go up. And that's the real challenge. Like, Right now, we're in actually in a pretty decent situation, but if those numbers keep going up, uh, it's going to be bad for our healthcare system and could lead again to further restrictions right. around scheduled surgeries. All right. Thanks very much for that, Richard. Yeah, thanks, Simi. Talk uh, to you on Thursday. You, we will. That is Richard Zussman, our Global News Victoria reporter, uh, talking about the rules from Dr. Bonnie Henry. Is it time to get even stricter? It, it just kind of makes me want to pull my hair because I think we know the rules. We've been doing this since March. People are willfully violating the rules because what? You don't think it affects you or you think it's overblown? It is not. It is serious. People need to take this seriously. I just don't know. Like, is slapping people with huge fines going to get through to them? I don't think it is because we know what the consequences are already, right? We know how bad the situation can be. I don't know how you get through to people who clearly thought getting together on Thanksgiving wasn't a problem, still getting together too.